All right. Hello and welcome to episode seven of the Talk Witchcraft podcast. I will be talking about witchcraft and how to structure a spell so that you can write them on your own or edit certain spells that you've found in books or online so that they fit your intention and fit what you so that you understand how why they were written a certain way and you can change them to fit your needs or what you have on hand. You're listening to Talk Witchcraft, the podcast where we talk about witchcraft as a lifestyle and discover how to merge magic into your daily life. Every week, we'll demystify witchy topics like tarot, astrology, crystals, herbs, and more as you develop your personal brand of magic and create the life of your dreams. I'm your host, Maggie Hazeman. So we'll start by defining what a spell is. You know me, I like to start with definitions that we're all on the same page about what I mean. A spell is a procedure in which a magician intentionally uses tools, materials, and words to manipulate the energy in order to change their circumstances. Typically, spells are considered witchcraft, but other people who aren't witches can use them as well. Now, personally, I believe that humans have a pretty limited scope of understanding how the universe actually works. We do our best. Many of us have come up with a wide variety of theories resulting in numerous philosophies, religions, and ways of life. But this is the reason that I wanted to define this word of a spell. Because spells are a request for what you want. You're asking for what you want. Now, whether you're talking to the universe or God or your higher self or the God and Goddess, a specific deity or God form or an, an, or an abstract concept, whoever you're talking to to place your request, the spell is how you order it. So I like to break down this process into six steps and I'll share those with you today. Step one is to get to the heart of your situation, what you really want. Step two is to determine the correspondences, and I'll get to what these words mean if you don't know. Step three is to select the tangible and intangible materials. Step four is to decide on the methods and tools that you will use in your spell. Step five is to decide on the timing, and step six is to write the words. So let's get into it. We'll start with step one, which is a good place to start. This is getting to the heart of your situation. And this is honestly the most important step because you have to know what you want. What will solve your problem? What will help you move forward toward your goal? You have to know these things in order to actually cast a spell and for it to work. So you'll start by deciding on this purpose of the spell. This is what you want the outcome to be. If you need a new job, your purpose or the intention of your spell would be to find a new job. But if you just need a new job because you need to have some income, finding a new source of income doesn't always have to have a job as the solution. So you might consider whether you're looking for a new job because you need money or if you're looking for a new job because you want to work in a new position. So paying attention to what you actually want will help you to write a spell that will get you what you want. Be creative and spend some time thinking about what you actually want and don't limit yourself here. 
You'll also want to brainstorm whether there are any mundane actions that you can take. So again, if we're thinking about needing a new source of income or if you're looking for a job, maybe your cousin recently asked you if you wanted to go into business together and you didn't really consider it at the time, but now your circumstances have changed and you want to do that. So that could be your solution now. You don't necessarily need to do a spell. You don't need to have this magical solution because you already have the opportunity you need. And it's also important to review your personal morals and ethics. Notice I said personal because your witchcraft practice is your own. You don't need to let someone else's beliefs dictate what you do. If you believe it is absolutely never okay to curse, then don't cast a curse. If you don't think it's okay to influence another person in any way, even if it'll probably help them, then make sure your spell is directed toward yourself and not somebody else. And this goes both ways, so don't cast your beliefs on someone else either. Witchcraft is very personal. It's okay to share your practice, but it's not okay to cast judgment over in someone else's practice. Always act within your own ethical boundaries. Now, if you need help figuring out what you want, make sure you download the Ultimate Intention Setting Ritual. This ritual will guide you through considering what you want to be, do, and have so that you know exactly where you want to be in your life. You can find it by going to mumblesandthings.com slash blog slash 007. So let's move on to the second step of the spell writing process, and that is to consider your correspondences. We discussed in a previous episode the hermetic principles of magic, and one of those is the principle of correspondence, which tells us as above, so below. So the above is the spiritual realm, and the below is the physical realm, and then there is this third realm called the mental realm, which bridges the other two. Basically, magic allows us to call on anything that exists in the spiritual realm in order to manifest our desires in the physical realm. And we do this through using our mental thoughts. So I'm going to share some examples of things that exist in the spiritual realm, of spiritual realm, energies, spirits, etc. So the four elements are correspondences. These are fire, earth, air, and water. The signs of the zodiac also live in the spiritual realm. They are archetypal energy that you can draw from in your magic. And each of the signs has their own energy, so it's worth familiarizing yourself with them. The planets all also each have unique energy, and these work in relationship with each other, the signs and the planets, so you can use them in combination. Now, other correspondences are whenever you call upon a specific deity or if you work closely with a god or goddess. And this is a, this is a correspondence with the spiritual realm. You're corresponding. Cor that's the root of the word correspondence. You're talking to. You're corresponding with the spirit realm. The same thing for talking to God or the universe, or your higher self, or a spirit guide, or a familiar. All of these are energies or spirits that live in the spirit realm. So it all depends on your beliefs, what you believe in, which of these exist in your belief system, and you can call on these different things as correspondences. 
And then there's also abstract concepts like love or truth that can be considered God forms or ideas and they live in the spiritual realm as well. So again, based on your purpose, you would look to the spirit realm for corresponding energies, deities, or spirits. So now you'll be selecting the materials that you will use in your spell work and you will choose them based on the correspondences you chose in a previous step as well as your purpose. So remember, the principle of correspondence tells us that as above, so below, and we are calling something in from the spirit realm, one of the correspondences I just listed, we're calling that in, that's the as above part. And to manifest, we need to have a representation of that in the physical realm, that's the so below part. So we bring in tangible things like crystals, which is the word I am using to describe all stone, crystal, mineral, materials, metals, etc. And herbs is another tangible thing. And herbs is the use, word I use to describe any plant material, like trees and shrubs and flowers, leaves, bark, roots, and seeds. So these are two tangible things, crystals and herbs. So we already talked about the principle of correspondence and how that's involved. This is also part of the principle of mentalism. The correspondence associated with the materials chosen for a spell is partly due to ages of attaching a specific correspondence to a specific material. So in, in doing so, every time someone says roses, for example, are a flower of Venus, they are creating another groove in the collective unconscious which attaches roses to Venus. So we have these tangible materials, we have the crystals and the herbs, and we'll also include intangible things like symbols and colors in the category of materials because they are physical representations of these spiritual things. So you can draw something, you can draw fire, and that's a way that you can call the element of fire. Or you can use a symbol for the sun to represent the sun as a correspondence. Each of the planets, each of the zodiac, each of the elements, they all have symbols that represent them. There's universally recognized symbols like a peace sign or a heart or even things like the emblem for medicine. All of these different things can be incorporated to call the corresponding energy from the spirit realm. And you can also draw your own symbol that means something to you. These are called sigils. So there are many ways to make a sigil, and that's not really what this episode is about. If you are interested in learning about sigils, then you can join us in the Mumbleship by going to mumblesacademy.com. So those were symbols, an intangible material. Color, again, is another intangible material. can play a role in helping you choose the materials and tools that you will use in the spell. So you can choose a, a candle that is a color that matches a correspondence, or you can choose your altar cloth or ink that you write in, or the paper that you write on and burn. So color can be drawn in in the tools, and we'll talk about more about tools in a minute. It can also help you to choose the crystals or stones that you work in, or the flowers or leaves that you'll use. So you can choose the crystals and, and herbs based on their associations or their correspondences, or you can choose them simply based on the color. 
So now you'll need to select the tools that you will use, and this is when you'll determine the type of spell you'll perform, make sure all your tools are created, cleansed, charged, and ready to use. To know what you'll need for a spell, what kind of tools you'll need, you'll want to decide the kind of spell that you'll want to perform because that will dictate the tools you need. There are all different types of spells. There are jar spells, and obviously you'll need some sort of jar or container that you collect all your materials in, and then with a jar spell you either bury it or you display it, depending on the intention. Charm bags are spells that you carry around with you, so for that you would need a bag, for sure, to collect the materials in. Bath magic is another type of spell or a bath ritual and it's basically what it sounds like a spell that you cast in the bath so you'll need a bathtub as part of the tool um, as one of your tools you might need candles and things like that so depending on the bath ritual that'll help you decide what tools you'll need candle spells involve candles <laughs> they're pretty self-explanatory um, there's also a course on candle magic in mumbles academy so you can uh, you can join us in there to learn more about this branch of magic. Creating a sigil can be its own spell, or it can be used in another type of spell, such as carving a sigil into a candle, or drawing a sigil and putting it in a charm bag. So some of these can be sort of combined. And uh, talismans and amulets, these are similar to charm bags in that you carry them with you. Depending on what your intention are, that will help you decide what kind of tool you will need for that. So you'll decide on the type of spell, and that will help you know what tools you need. And tools are different from materials because they are what determines the type of spell and not the correspondences. So you don't necessarily, your tools do not need to correspond with your chosen correspondences. They're more like a vessel or a device for making the spell work. So these are things like your cauldron, a wand, a broom, a knife, the jar or a bottle, a bag, candles. And sometimes your tools will be the materials. For example, you can have a crystal that is a tool and a material, like when you use a selenite wand for cleansing. Or you might make a tool out of herbs that aligns with the purpose specifically for the spell. So a broom or a wand made out of wood or twigs from a tree that aligns with your purpose. So some of these crossover as well. And you'll also want to consider preparing your tools for the spell. And this is a personal preference, but you might want to cleanse and charge all of your tools for your specific purpose of what you're casting the spell for. I won't be getting into exact methods for cleansing and charging tools in this training, um, but there is an ebook on how to do this in the mumble in the mumble ship. Alright, so then you're going to figure out the timing of the spell. And the timing is just another way that you can add more power, that you can bring in more, more of the corresponding energy or spirit or deity into the spell. And you can plan your spell based on the day of the week, the week of the month, or even the month of the year. So each of the days of the week corresponds with one of the seven traditional planets. The sun and the moon are included in the category of planets, even though they are actually luminaries. And we don't include the modern planets of Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, because they were discovered more recently than the other planets, so they weren't involved in the naming of the days. But basically, if your spell doesn't need to be done urgently, you can wait for a more cosmically aligned day to perform it. 
and this is another way to pull the planetary correspondences into the spell instead of or in addition to the materials that you've chosen. Now the lunar phase of your spell, you can use the the lunar phases to time when you cast the spell. There are eight phases and each one has a different purpose. Uh, so the new moon, waxing crescent, first quarter, waxing gibbous, full, waning gibbous, last quarter, waning crescent, and then back to new. So you can think about it in terms of these eight phases, but you can also do it a little bit more simply with dividing the cycle into four quarters. Each of these lasts about a week. So the first quarter of the cycle from the new moon to the first quarter moon, this is for like setting intentions, looking for opportunities, and then the second quarter up to the full moon, that's for taking action and for celebration. Then the third quarter is when the moon starts to get smaller again to the third quarter. Uh, this is for releasing and letting go. And then the final quarter, the fourth quarter, back to the new moon, is when you are resting and reflecting. And you can actually go even more simply than this by just looking at when the moon is waxing or getting bigger, and this can be a time for increasing and attracting. And then when the moon is waning, you would be decreasing or banishing. Waning is when the moon is getting smaller, so you're decreasing as the moon gets smaller. Now there's a lot that goes into moon magic and you can connect more deeply with the lunar cycle than what I've expressed to you here. But if you would like, you can join the moon circle during the next enrollment period and really get into this lunar cycle stuff. And then I also mentioned that the sun, the, the month of the year, can help you to determine the timing. So the sun, the solar cycle over the course of one year, the sun passes through each of the signs of the zodiac. So you can pay attention to when the sun is in a specific zodiac sign and that will help you to determine what a good spell would be during that time. This is actually the structure of the mumbleship is the solar cycle when the sun is in each of the zodiac signs. Each zodiac season you can focus on a different energy of the sign and you can also consider the natural seasonal changes. So many witches follow the Wheel of the Year, which includes eight holidays, or what's called a Sabbat, and these celebrations connect with the way that the world is changing, the natural world changes, and it's also connected to the agricultural calendar as well. And then the final step is to write the words. So at the beginning you determined the purpose of the spell, and now just make sure that what you've determined as kind of the overarching purpose, focus it and be really precise and clear about what you want using words. I do this using a positive affirmation. So that means writing a statement that's in the first person in present tense and using positive words. So in first person, using words like I and me and my, using present tense like I love myself instead of I will love myself, which puts it in the future, or, and using positive words, so not using words like not or no or don't or can't or nothing. Um, so saying I am healthy instead of I am not ill. And you can also use things like rhymes for a spell. This helps me to remember the words I want to say without having to read them, uh, just because it's easy, there's a flow there and a, a rhythmic rhyming aspect. And so I use rhyming dictionaries for this. You can find them for free online, and that's really helpful. You could start with the affirmation and then just enter the last word into an online rhyming dictionary just to see what comes up and be creative in that way. 
I find the easiest way to write a rhyme is to end the first line with the word me because there's a lot of words that rhyme with me um, and then you would close the second line with some sort of ending statement. The one I use is as I will it so it will be. So if you're looking to improve your confidence I might say confidence builds up in me as I will it so it will be. And so there's that rhyming, there's some rhythm to it, and that helps me to remember it. Now these are all personal preferences, and you can decide if you want to do this as well, or if you have some other techniques. Another example, if you want to bring more love into your life, then you could say, love and joy flow with ease to me, as I will it, so it will be. So there's just two examples of how this works. Now that's the final point, though. I think it's good to have some sort of closing phrase, whether or not it rhymes. I use the one that I said, as I will it, so it will be. But there are tons of different variations to this that you'll probably see printed in books. Uh, the Freemasons say, so mote it be. You could also say, as above, so below, with that correspondence aspect. You might thank the deities or spirits that helped you as you're closing. So long as you include some sort of phrase that you are finished with the spell, I think that's really important. Okay, so your homework for this episode is to actually go write a spell for whatever circumstances you're facing in your life that you would like to change. You can use these six steps to help you. And if it feels really intimidating to write it from scratch, then maybe you could go look at some spells that are sort of aligned with your circumstances that you want to change. You can look for this process in them, see if they follow a similar process, study them, learn more about why the authors might maybe made the decisions that they did. And you can alter them to be more accurately suited to what you want to be more precise. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. It is a bit longer than the usual episode. I really appreciate you sticking with me for the whole time. I know your time is very valuable, and I hope you felt like this was a good use of it. I'm just going to summarize what we went through with all of these steps of writing a spell. You start by getting to the heart of the desire. Then you determine your correspondences. You select your tangible and in intangible materials. You prepare your tools, you decide on the method of your spell work, you schedule the spell, and you write clear and precise words. So you can find out more about this episode, this episode including reading the show notes so that you can review these steps uh, in writing. Go to mumblesandthings.com slash blog slash 007. You can join me next Tuesday when we talk about tips for solitary witchcraft. Make sure you subscribe so that you are notified about each new episode. And this also helps other witches find this show when there are more subscribers. So if you want to help other witches find this show, subscribe and also leave a five-star review. That would be really helpful for me and for other witches. And you can find this, you can find Mumbles and Things on Instagram and Facebook using the handle at Mumbles and Things. Please join us in the Mumbles and Things Facebook group by going to talkwitchcraft.com and you can chat about this episode with other witchy folks when you join. Wait, don't go yet! Thanks for listening to Talk Witchcraft with me, Maggie. If you've enjoyed this episode, I invite you to check out mumblesacademy.com. 
Mumbles Academy is the place to be for intuitive souls at any stage of their witch path. Whether you are a wildling at the very beginning of your witchcraft journey and are looking for a safe learning environment, a creator who is committed to your practice and wants to develop your witchcraft skills even more, or a sage who is full of wisdom already and wants to share what you know with others, Mumbles Academy was designed for you. With monthly masterclasses and live Q&As, an extensive archive of courses and trainings, and a supportive community to help you along the way with encouragement and advice. Mumbles Academy is the perfect place for you to be as you continue on your witch path.